You walk into an English prison, you've got a, a group of 10 young offenders. If you handed them anything more than one piece of paper, they would probably throw it back in your face. Hi, I'm Rob Wolf, Director of Communications at the Center for Court Innovation. Today I'm with Simon Fulford, who is the Chief Executive of Colisa UK, a nonprofit started in South Africa and dedicated to breaking the cycle of crime and violence. Welcome to New York, or maybe I should say welcome back, because I know you used to live here. I did, I did. Um, so I lived in New York from 92 to the end of 2004 and loved it. It's brilliant. I was really interested to see that you are also an award-winning photographer and that you've used your work as a photographer to engage the disabled community and that you co-founded and directed a nonprofit in New York called ArtStart that received a President's Service Award from President Clinton in 1997. That's right. I wondered if you could explain how you see art as a way to empower underserved and disadvantaged communities. I guess it's empowering, on, I guess, on the multiple levels. On a personal level, often having being given and having the opportunity to express hopes, fears, challenges, needs in a way that is creative as opposed to verbal, that feels a bit more accessible, sometimes it's less personally challenging. And often, kind of from that, it can be very empowering for them to be able to then say, and now I've told you, or now I've shared this with you as an organization, or you as a policymaker, or you as a government service provider, and this is the, I've now expressed my needs, and hopefully you can help meet my needs. So it's a blend of personal growth yep. and advocacy, it sounds Correct. like. Correct. In your current endeavor at Kalisa, you know, its mission is to break the cycle of crime and violence. That's a tall order. It is. How does Kalisa work? And maybe you could start by explaining the South African connection or its sure. origins in South sure. Africa. So Kalisa is a Zulu word, which means to nurture. You know, although freedom had come to, to South Africa and, and the multiracial elections, there was a huge increase and in explosion in violent crime. And my understanding from our colleagues there is a lot of it sort of took the society by surprise that, in a sense, a lot of the black and, and what they called the colored communities and others kind of almost turned on themselves. So our founder, Leslie Ann Van Sel, she founded the organization and the first program they ran was using traditional African storytelling techniques, so a, a creative pursuit, as a rehabilitative tool and vehicle, sort of helping violent offenders reconnect with their cultural roots. A lot of these communities that had been totally decimated by apartheid and trying to use that as a tool to kind of have them see themselves as positive contributors to their communities. So these were people who were currently in prison or they were returning they were, prisoners? Well, they were currently in prison, um, but it would... It was part of their sort of pre-release and hopefully reintegration, as they call it in South Africa, reintegration into their communities. Fast forward 16 years, our colleagues in South Africa, they're one of the leading crime prevention NGOs. So they do a lot of work with young people, of kind of children through to late 20s, early 30s, gang diversion programs, getting young people to stay in education, helping, helping them develop community projects. We then brought one of their program models called Silence the Violence from South Africa to the UK in 2009. And we began to pilot and test that in English prisons, in English schools, and in the community. So you, you, you brought one specific program one, of, of many that they... Yes. Yeah. So they have a whole raft of different programs and interventions that they run in, in various different settings in schools, in the community. When Kulisa was coming to, to England, 
and talking about South African society that has 20 times the UK's violent crime rate, has communities with 80% unemployment, so very, very extreme, and extreme poverty and deprivation. So there was a question posed. You've been very successful in South Africa with, in quite an extreme environment, a very fragile sort of social economic environment. Could your success be translated to a more modern, Western, developed society and with many more resources? It's an interesting question, too, that I don't think many people ask because usually when you think of exporting an idea from one country to another, they're seems to be a tendency to think that it would go from a more developed, supposedly, I don't know what the proper word mm. to describe it would be, but one with a country with more resources yep. or a first, so-called first world country to yep. perhaps a country that in many areas was less developed. So yep. it's an, an interesting that anyone it, even thought of that. It is an interesting model, and, and I wouldn't say we're unique in that. There's some other examples of it, but it's, it is a new way of looking at it. I think it's quite subversive in some way because the traditional development model is very much the West, America, Western Europe, Japan, whatever, you know, more, quote, developed countries, exporting their models of social development to, you know, the the less developed, quote, third world countries and saying, we've developed all the right solutions and, and you now implement them. And of course, interestingly, if not ironically, a lot of less developed countries struggle to implement some of the systems and processes that more developed countries can do, a lot of it is to do with resourcing. They're very under-resourced environments. So tell me, what is the program and how's it been working? So the program, it's called Silence the Violence. We have a youth version of it that we call Face It. It's a very intensive motivational behavior change program. It focuses on violent behavior, but in many ways it's about motivating participants to really understand themselves to understand the, the triggers to their violent and their links with criminal behavior, to understanding, in a sense, the excuses and the value systems and belief systems, belief with a small b, that allow them to behave in certain ways or even propel them to behave in certain ways, and beginning to try and challenge those or unpick them so that they can make better choices for themselves, better choices for family or community, and certainly better choices for their future. We, it, we work on a theory of violence developed by actually an American forensic psychologist, Dr. James Gilligan. His approach is that violence is a learned behavior for the majority of individuals who don't have a mental health problem or challenge um, or psychosis. If it's a learned behavior, then it can be unlearned. It doesn't mean it can be unlearned overnight, but you have to start that process. And our program is a very intense short duration, high intensity program to trigger that beginning of that change process. And is it therapy, group counseling, classes? It's, it's a very good question. It's a group-led process. We use a lot of therapeutic techniques. So we use a lot of drama therapy, uh, kind of creative art therapy. It is based on cognitive behavioral therapy techniques. And very much the group, the participants, actually, they provide the content, their stories, their lives, their experiences become the content that that the group works through as a group and individually. And by doing role play, by by making masks and making hats that represent violent sides of themselves and, and the kind of the original self that they would like to be, through those kind of different creative techniques and sharing and having a dialogue around it, that moves them to a place where they very much understand more of who they are, more of the connection of 
themselves of having been victims of abuse and neglect in their own lives or, or witnesses of abuse and neglect and violence. So how's it been going? How's the implementation and, and what have the results been so far? So it's been a really fun journey of meeting, you know, a, a, a healthy level of sort of interest and certainly a healthy level of skepticism. And, and I would say it's been a resounding positive opinion of how it works in that the, the participants themselves say it is one of the most profoundly impactful programs they've ever been on. We've had academics evaluate and assess certainly the short-term impact on behavior change that it can have a, it can when it works well, when the group dynamics work, that it can have a very you know, profound impact on propensities for violence and reducing aggressive tendencies and improving emotional well-being that then can be built on for individuals thinking more positively about their lives and engaging in other rehabilitation programs, job training, drug and alcohol, substance misuse programs, etc. We haven't had a, the ability to do the long-term tracking on recidivism. Mostly we just haven't had the resources to do that. We've received some high-profile grants for innovation in the justice sector, so, and we're implementing one of those grant projects right now. Oh, a new project? Yeah, it's a combination of our silence to violence work with through the gate mentoring to hopefully really embed the behavior change and the learning of an offender once they've been released into the community. I see. So because it does sound like silence to violence is sort of laying a foundation that would perhaps require continued engagement yes. around other yep. other issues and yep. you know, job training or whatever. Exactly. So it sounds like that's what you're moving, yep. you're developing now. So we're adding in rigorous process of referral from our program onto other service provision or bringing in a volunteer mentor who can support that individual on a, you know, in a more pastoral way, meeting them once a week, talking to them on the phone, you know, helping, encouraging them to have goals and sticking to their goals about applying for jobs. And have you encountered any challenges related to translating the model from South Africa, perhaps cultural differences, or have you had to make particular tweaks? At its core, the, the program content and the curriculum design was wholly transferable. And a lot of that is because it, it's not a South African program. It, it's universal therapeutic techniques. It's cognitive behavioral therapy. It's drama therapy. It's kind of creative art therapy techniques. What is unique about the program is the way we've sequenced it and our approach of this sort of high intensity, short duration, and then using what are a few more traditionally indigenous or African tools, such as the mask making you know, I mean, I know in, in ancient England, they wore painted faces and things like that, but they haven't done it for about 2000 years. Whereas in Africa, masks are still very much part of the culture and rituals and ceremonies. So the mask making is potentially more something that came from South Africa, but is therefore very interesting and novel in, in England. We use a hat making, which again, is a, a slightly different approach. And then we have what we call the wisdom circle, which is again a, a more African tradition of sitting in a circle at the community resolving an issue and having a talking piece that they pass around the circle. What we did remove from the program in its, in its adaptation was obviously a lot of the cultural references. You know, a poem about South Africa doesn't translate to London, I have to say, and even less so to Manchester, if anyone knows their English geography. What was also quite interesting is in South Africa, the prison system is so under-resourced that their approach to running the program is often quite didactic. 
So they could go in, there would be 20 guys in the program, they can hand them a program tool manual to the offenders that was as thick as a phone book, and they would cherish it and, and hold it, and they were thankful that someone was coming to do anything with them. You walk into an English prison, you've got a, a group of 10 young offenders. If you handed them anything more than one piece of paper, they would probably throw it back in your face. It was a very different approach and kind of that. So you have to prove yourself? You really have to prove yourself. You've got to really build and gain the trust of the group, and it has to be earned, whereas in South Africa, there's more generosity with that. The group start with a, giving you the trust from the upset, and it's kind of yours to lose, whereas in England, it's, you've got to gain it, and so we work on gaining it as quickly as possible. Well... Thank you so much for explaining your programming at Kulisa UK, and good luck with your future endeavors. Thank you very much. I've been speaking with Simon Fulford, who is the chief executive of Kulisa UK. I'm Rob Wolf, director of communications at the Center for Court Innovation. You've been listening to one of our new thinking podcasts, and you can listen to more at www.courtinnovation.org. You can also listen to us on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.